This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, gang, let's do this. Friday afternoon, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you along with Michael Remus, and we've got to have a packed show to get ready for the weekend and the Stanley Cup playoffs, which begin tomorrow. Really looking forward to having Andy McNeil from Visson join us coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get Andy's breakdown of the Jets-Oilers series as well as the rest of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is officially set tonight after the Avalanche beat the Kings and won the President's Trophy. So we'll get to that coming up. Ted Wyman will have his thoughts on the Jets going into their final regular season game tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we'll also get a uh, some tips for the Preakness coming up with Kirk Contois from Assiniboia Downs a little bit later on. As always, the program brought to you by Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake. And just a quick note on Assiniboia Downs, we will talk about them a little later on. Opening day moved back a week, so we were all fired up for Monday for the first races. Going to have to wait an extra week, but of course we've got playoff hockey this week, so I think we'll be able to um, hang tight for seven more days before live racing gets going. Let's get Michael Remus in here to get the show going. Remo, Friday afternoon, how you feeling, pal? Us, I'm doing great, man. Uh, what is it? We're heading into the weekend. Weather's looking good. Get some uh, good park time out there. Uh, I'm feeling good, Huss. Also, playoff hockey uh, starting tomorrow. Not for the Jets. That's Wednesday. But uh, I was looking at the schedule. One game tonight. Jets, Maple Leafs. And by all accounts, I don't know if these guys are going to be going 100%. I think this is just like, all right, let's get through this one and uh, just come out healthy on the other side. That's how I'm taking it. I don't know if I can. Let's look at the betting line. That's what I hope for. I mean, mean, essentially, it's get out of this game healthy. I'll say this. That's certainly the focus for the Leafs. Um, you know, from talking to some people inside the Jet organization coming off the game on Tuesday, um, I do think that, you know, considering what they're coming out of, they would like to have another strong game tonight. But let's face it, what really counts at the end of tonight's game is getting out unscathed and having your full complement of players ready to go for the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday. Um, and to that point, Andrew Kopp will not play tonight. He's being held out of the game Tucker Pullman still not playing. Um, you know, the coach talked a little bit about his status. They'll know a little bit more closer to next week. Um, but it is Connor Hellebuck in net tonight. And that, Remo, um, really was, you know, a choice of Hellebuck himself who said, I want this game. And, you know, I think wants to sort of stay in his rhythm after um, shutouts in his last couple of victories. Yeah, he's playing good. He wants to keep that good feeling. And with the, you know, Jets and Oilers not playing, a, you know, their game next game is Wednesday. I don't really think, you know, your concern would be workload with that many days off. So, uh, sure, let the guy go. Let him get his feet wet. We'll see how the game goes. Um, You know, the Jets had some struggles before against Toronto. Toronto has a lineup change of their own. Mitch Marner, uh, he's going to be out. So, I mean, I'm not sure what to expect. Uh, Paul Maurice said in their press conference, kind of like a gentleman's agreement that you're not going to be doing any, like, dumb stuff out there, like finishing your checks or being aggressive. So um, I think it's going to have that end of season feeling, which I think you, I think you want to have. You might but have I think a we'll preseason still... feeling to yeah, be sorry, perfectly sorry, honest. Pre- <laughs> preseason. Yeah. Preseason. There, there you go. 
Um, you know, I mean, listen, I, you know, we'll all watch the game. We'll all see what happens tonight. But, you know, I think for the most part, everyone right now is fully locked and loaded on next Wednesday in game one against the Edmonton Oilers. And, um, you know, I'm sure everyone in Toronto is thinking about the Montreal Canadiens on Thursday. And that is why it is just weird that this game is being played today as it is. Because, of course, Reem, we all recall when these teams were supposed to play this game, right when Vancouver was getting just ravaged by COVID, um, you know, the Leafs came to town and the Jets had the opportunity to take first place. That sort of became the beginning of a bit of a downfall for the Winnipeg Jets. They lost a couple of those games, lost a couple to Edmonton and got into that first extended losing streak that they've had really in a long time. Um, But as we've said, there have been glimpses that things are turning around. Although, I mean... The minute we get to Wednesday night and the first period of Wednesday's game, I don't think any of what's happened in the past month will really matter. All will matter is how the Jets are able to go and handle Connor McDavid. And we'll be talking about that with Ted. We'll get uh, Andy McNeil's thoughts on that coming up as well from uh, an odds perspective. Um, But yeah, I mean, preparation right now is already going on for the Edmonton Oilers. And um, just the way this game sort of works out tonight... Um, again, bottom line is stay healthy. It'd be great if you can get the win. And you certainly hope Connor Hellebuck comes out of tonight feeling as good as he did coming out of his shutout against the Canucks Tuesday. Yeah, let me just clarify the quote from Paul Maurice. Uh, Lance Hornby from the Toronto Sun said, uh, he quoted it on his Twitter. There's almost, he says, this is going to be sound terrible for hockey. It's a gentleman's agreement. I don't think you're going to see any late hits. Both teams getting ready. There will be a certain amount of respect on the ice. So that's what Paul Maurice said about tonight's game. And, yeah, we're all looking forward to uh, to the playoffs. And I, it's funny, Edmonton, you know, I think like this is the last game all the teams are done. Edmonton has to play Vancouver and one of those makeup games tomorrow. Uh, and it's so weird that there's like still regular season wrapping up the next couple days, you know, Vancouver, Calgary playing their games as the playoffs are going. Uh, just one of the things with this weird, uh, weird season here, but, uh, that's fine. You'll deal with it. We'll count down until, uh, until whenever the Jets and Oilers get underway on Wednesday. Sorry, not whenever it is Wednesday. Yeah. Now I guess, I mean, and all I can think of is they just didn't want the optics of having playoffs playoff games being played in the North Division before the North Division regular season schedule was finished. I mean, that's all I can imagine because otherwise you'd probably be starting these series on, you know, Monday or potentially Mm -hmm. Tuesday. But um, yeah, I'm talking to my pal. I'll be on Calgary 960 later on doing my Friday bits with the uh, the guys uh, leading up until game time tonight. And I was saying to Pat Steinberg, who might be the hardest working guy in, in media. I mean, he does two to six afternoons on sports at 960 and then does the flames pre game and post game call-in show guys basically on for 12 hours a day um but he was quite happy uh, like i'm sure they would have all been happy if these games just weren't played but they believe the tuesday and wednesday games between vancouver and calgary remus are matinees so <laughs> they'll be done before all the playoffs begin. And uh, of course, they'll get that final game done on Wednesday. And then we get to the real thing with the Jets and Oilers dropping the puck on Wednesday night. Yeah, I actually like those, you know, I don't really like them uh, as, you know, maybe a fan afternoons, but as someone who's you know, working at the games, or if you're a player, afternoon games are great. You get the game out of the way, then you have the rest of your night. So maybe that's like a little appetizer. I don't think I'll be 
betting on or playing fantasy for these regular <laughs> season games, like even tonight's. Is there going to be game. a showdown tonight? That must be one of the more bizarre slates of the I, entire season, if there is. I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing it. Although, I mean, if you're looking for things to watch out for, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois on the right side of Stasny in the middle, and Perot on the left. That's what they're taking a look at here, and. I don't know, Logan Stanley, he's been like, for fantasy, he's been like a shot block, shot on goal monster. Oh! Uh, in limited ice time, he's been great, so you look to see him improve on that. But, uh, you know, all the stuff from the Jets today at their skate house was just talking about this long season. Uh, Nate Thompson talking about how he hasn't seen his son all year because of border issues and got emotional. Uh, that's got to be, and Maurice was talking about just like the mental toll this whole year takes on everyone. And I think, you know, sometimes when we're here talking about a watch in the games, maybe you kind of forget about all that and realize that, you know, these guys are, you know, humans and they have human emotions as much as, you know, we just see them on a statute putting up uh, fantasy points. Yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed uh, Maurice's uh, uh, availability today in that, you know, it wasn't as much about tonight's game. No one cares about this game tonight. I mean, it's all about looking ahead to next week. And it was Billick that asked him about you know, what Nate Thompson had had to say. And and Maurice very correctly and skillfully, I think, said, listen, before I get into this answer, let's face it, we're fortunate to be able to be working and getting paid and putting food on the table. But once you get past that, um, you know, the isolation for a number of players, especially a guy like that that's away from his family, you know, it does take its toll. And, hey, you know, we'll hopefully get through this in however many months and we'll get into you know the years to come and we will look back at this era of incredible challenge for you know everyone on an individual basis for their families professionally I mean there's been all sorts of things that have been thrown at everyone trust me um but you know what even the most fortunate of our society you're still dealing with stuff and you know on a personal level I think there has been uh you know it has been tough for a lot of people all that being said um, you know, I think that the, the team, and, and we've heard this so much about how even when the team was losing seven in a row, how this team has really stayed together. Uh, and I think they've needed to, and probably that's been built through an entire season of literally being together all the time, unless you've been at home. So um, anyways, I'm, I'm glad that we hopefully won't be spending as much time talking about um, the challenges and more talking about the hockey, although um, the one thing, Reem, for me is, you know, with all of this excitement, I was just talking to Dusty about the tonight's lock shop and going back and forth with the Jets and Edmonton stuff. I mean, the one thing that we are just missing that I guess we don't even realize that we're missing anymore is the fact of no fans in the building. Because I can tell you that in normal circumstances, if there was a playoff series between Edmonton and Winnipeg, you would have thousands of fans from both cities probably just getting in the car with buddies, driving to the other place, doing what they could do to get tickets and being part of it. And that atmosphere, um, you know, of an all-Canadian series in the playoffs is something that, you know, we don't get very often. Um, and that will be the biggest thing missing. But, you know, considering what we've seen on the ice from these teams all season long, um, you know, the hockey's been great, and I expect that it will be cranked up a few notches when we would get going in a few days. Yeah, you know, even you just talking about, you know, the atmosphere around the arena that we've seen at the White O parties here, um, in the building, you know, two Canadian teams here, you know, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and of course, Toronto, Montreal. Um, I just started, you know, getting sad hearing that. And I saw Jesse Granger from The Athletic tweeting out, 
You know, West Division playoff attendance capacities. St. Louis is going to 9,000. Vegas, 70, you know, <laughs> 7,500. Colorado, 7,500. Minnesota, 4,500. Mike McIntyre replies on Twitter, North Division playoff attendance capacities. Winnipeg, zero. Edmonton, zero. Toronto, zero. Montreal, zero. You just get sad. You know, I'm try- I-, I really had tried not to think about that at all until you just brought it up because, I mean, what can you do? The rules are the rules, and they're... You know, we just can't. So I haven't, like, I'm not sitting here crying about what could have been until you just brought it up. Now I'm like, oh, geez, it would be so, <laughs> it'd be so awesome. And I'm not even upset that I can't, like, you know, usually have friends over to watch the game. And I can't even do that now. I can't. Well, it's funny you the- were saying that, Reeve. Yeah. I was just about to say, hey, everyone in the chat, like, what do you have planned for the playoffs? What are you doing now that we're, you know, you can't go to the games and everything? And the answer, presumably, is going to be, well, Huss, what the hell do you think I'm doing? I'm going to be sitting my ass at home alone or whoever I live with mm-hmm. watching the game. And, hey, you know what? Fingers crossed. I mean, we realize the Jets are underdogs. But, you know, if they are able to, you know, get through the Edmonton Oilers, that'll presumably be another couple of weeks. Maybe there's a chance we get out of this three-week pause period. Although, to be honest, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up looking at these daily counts, uh, count numbers. But... It is great to see, um, I believe, 12 to 17-year-olds can sign up to get the shot now, too. So we're certainly moving towards where we need to be as far as uh, getting everyone taking in their shots and getting ready to, um, you know, hopefully get the second shot later on and moving closer to uh, to normal. Um, so as I said, we'll focus in more on the Jets' upcoming series. Probably touch on, you know, the lack of CFL news with Ted Wyman as well coming up in a few minutes. And as I mentioned, Kirk Contois will pop on the program a little later on to join us here on the um, on the on the program with some Preakness talks. Um, let's uh, just ball before we get to Andy McNeil, the digital gambler. Um, big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Been with us since day one, way back in the TSN 1290 days, and um, no better place to uh, get into a wicked new vehicle than with the help of the Not team. Why not get into it? You can do it at Waverly and McGilvery. Check out the incredible selection of vehicles, including many Teslas, uh, online at Not.ca or give them a call. And if you're in a vehicle right now and you're looking to make an upgrade, Hit them up. They've got a very successful consignment program that can help you get maximum value for your present vehicle and get into a new ride. Why not give the gang at Not Auto Corp a call today? And, of course, our friends at Boston Pizza with the restaurants closed. It's takeout time for everyone here in Winnipeg, but our local restaurants absolutely need your support. And if you are getting ready for the game tonight, you can get that game day meal, or I personally suggest the Pizza Flights Three mini pizzas, specialties, whatever kinds you want. Three dips, less than 20 bucks. Great deal and excellent way to try out a number of the pies they have there at Boston Pizza. Thanks to Andrew and the Enright Gang for their support of us since day one as well. Boston Pizza, you can find them online at bostonpizza.ca. All right. Ted Wyman, more on the Jets a little bit later on, but really looking forward to this. Welcome in for the first time to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. It's Andy McNeil. You can follow him on Twitter, at Digital Gambler, and check out his contributions following the National Hockey League from a gambling perspective at Vincent Live. Andy, what's up? Great to have you on the program. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, you know what? We're doing great. We you know here in Winnipeg, there were uh, uh, the last few weeks have been tough because you know the Jets essentially clinched their playoff spot uh, for all intents and purposes a month ago, 
and you know had played so well we're 27 and 14 you had the Leafs coming in they were ahead of the Oilers we were talking about a battle for first place and and things sort of went off the cliff for a little bit for the Winnipeg Jets now they certainly have looked better as of late had one of their best games of the season on Tuesday against a depleted Vancouver team we saw the top line explode the scoring hadn't been happening lately that was big Connor Hellebuck got a shutout so I mean, one game being one game against a team that's going nowhere, not sure how much you can take of it. But for people that were looking for optimism and looking for maybe a light at the end of the tunnel, we have seen it. Let me ask you this, Andy, from from a, from an odds-making, a, a, a handicapping perspective, when a team like Winnipeg plays quite well throughout the season, clinches their spot, and then goes into an extended slump towards the end of the year... How much is that team, what like the team that we see at the end or in those final few weeks, the team we should expect at the playoffs? And how much should we respect the entire body of work and maybe not overreact in times, good or bad, to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks going into the postseason? Well, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm a person that doesn't like to throw away my priors. So exactly what you're talking about there. You know, the projections that I had going into the season – uh, what I what I made of these teams uh, just just about four months ago, um, I, I'm still holding on to that a little bit, and and I'm I'm taking into account the entire body of work, but definitely putting a lot of stock into recent play. Um, you know, it's tough to gauge the motivation of the Jets, like you said. Uh, they've been playing a lot of throwaway games here down the stretch, um, and also factoring in the fact that Nikolai Ehlers has missed a lot of time here, and you know he's such a huge play driver and, and somebody that's going to make a big difference. Uh, and I was looking forward to asking you uh, about whether or not you thought he would be in for game one, because that makes uh, a world of difference. Um, but that's approaching us pretty quickly here. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's definitely not a good idea to dismiss everything that the Jets have done this season. But, um, you know, from a from a handicapping perspective, uh, you've got to like the Oilers uh, coming into the, the or coming down the stretch here as a top 10 team by expected goals. Uh, and really, you know, playing some good hockey and uh, not like the fact that the Jets uh, have been, you know, um, playing some bad hockey. And as you said, you know, picking things up as of late, but it's really tough to hit the ground running in the playoffs. And I think that that could be a concern here for sure. Well, definitely. And Paul Maurice talked about that, although Maurice has said that, you know, what they've gone through over the last few weeks in his mind has kind of reinforced what they need to do to play the style of hockey that can actually beat a team, that will give them a chance to beat a team like Edmonton or Toronto for that matter. Because listen, if you're running and gunning against 97 and 29, um, it's pretty easy to figure out how that's going to end on most nights. Um, But I I will ask you this, how much do you put into, and you know, this is significant in the Winnipeg-Edmonton series because the season series was quite lopsided, Edmonton winning the final six games. Uh, and it's a unique se- season in the fact that all of the playoff matchups will have, you know, at least like eight games between each other. How impactful is the regular season matchups once we get to the playoffs, Andy? Well, you know, as a sports better, I'm somebody that actually loves the regular season. I embrace the chaos and confusion of it all and, and find a lot of good betting opportunities uh, throughout the regular season. In the playoffs, I think um, there's so much more focus on the NHL that some of the, the lines, the, the odds are, are sharper uh, on, a, on a more consistent basis. Um, and, you know, the sports books have a ton of information uh, as far as the matchups here. Uh, we do too. Um, but I've I found that, that the, 
the, the opening series prices here that I've seen at a lot of shops um, have been pretty sharp. I've only bet on uh, two out of the, the eight uh, series matchups right now. Um, in, in past years, I, I would have bet on more, uh, especially in the first round. Um, so I think the matchup, uh, the matchup situation here this season, uh, this unique in this unique season where teams have played each other so many times, um, you know, it, it helps us get a better idea of, of what to expect. But it also helps um, the people setting the odds do that as well. So you know, it's kind of a catch twenty two. Andy McNeil from Visions, our guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Just to answer your question about Nikolai Ehlers, and I know there's a bunch of people in the chat wondering about that as well. Uh, Maurice did say, and you know, maybe I'll get Weber's quote because he transcribed it. Um, it Ehlers was, coach was asked about Wheelers today, and this was the quote from Paul Maurice. And thanks to Weeb's World for transcribing this. He's back skating with us now, and he's shooting some pucks. We'll see where the next five or six days get us to. I can't tell you he's in for sure, and I certainly can't tell you that he's not playing in game one. We'll get those next five days through. I would expect then that everyone else would be available for game number one. So, like, when he originally got hurt, the quote was, and I remember this vividly, he said, we're both confident and hopeful that Nick Ehlers will be available for the beginning of the playoffs. Now, I'm not sure whether the emphasis was on confident or on hopeful, but the bottom line is right now that he is certainly uncertain for game number one. And I mean, Andy, maybe from a guy that, you know, follows the game really closely and looks at some of the numbers, um, you know, it seems like a lot of people woke up to just how effective and important a player Nikolai Ehlers has been for the Winnipeg Jets over this season. And man, we sure saw it in spades when he's been out of the lineup for the last nine games or whatever. For sure. And I, I think it was it was pretty evident just how good he was even last year in the playoffs, despite their poor showing against Calgary Flames. He had no help, though, uh, you know, towards the, the middle part of that series with, with losing a couple of players to injury. Um, and that's another thing that I'm a little bit concerned about. Um, I know Hellebuck, great goaltender. Uh, obviously, there's a goaltending uh, matchup advantage here for Winnipeg over Edmonton. And that's the, the one area that they definitely have an advantage uh, not to take anything away from Mike Smith. He's been very good this season uh, much, you know, to my surprise, I didn't expect him to be this good. Um, and he's super fun to watch. Uh, but, um, you know, Hellebuck, whether or not uh, that, that edge shows itself over a seven game series is, is another thing altogether, right? It didn't last year. And, and, and that could be a situation uh, again this year. And it's, it's not to take anything away from Connor. He's great. Um, it's just the, the variance of the game and, and how things play out sometimes. And before you know it, you're behind the eight ball and that good performance, that, 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 that game stealing performance never shows itself. Uh, that being said, um, there's nothing that can flip a series more than elite goaltending. And For sure. I'll tell you what, I mean, I think there is a sense of, you know, optimism, you know, from Winnipeg jet fans. If you're trying to look for paths to victory for Winnipeg, um, you know, you've got an incredible goaltender in and, if Connor Hellebuck can be the best Connor in the series, and I realize that is a very, very difficult uh, bar considering how high 97 is put at, but we're talking about a short seven-game series. Um, you know, certainly that is something the Winnipeg Jets need, frankly, I think, to be able to compete with the Edmonton Oilers. Let me ask you this, Andy. Well, first off, as far as the series goes, the line on the series opened up. I'm just looking at cool bet here. Minus 208 for Edmonton, plus 175 for the Winnipeg Jets. Did that well, num- does that number make sense to you? So here's the thing. As a handicapper, as a sports better, um, 
I'm not picking winners here. I'm looking for value. I'm you know trying to come up with a price myself. I'm trying to estimate the odds here. And what I've estimated uh, is is minus 163, which implies a 62% chance that the Oilers come away with the win uh, in a seven-game series. Um, but, of course, you mentioned Ehlers. His status is questionable. I'm assuming he's in for game one, uh, or this price is assuming that he's in for game one. If he's not, that changes quite a bit. But but I can get behind um, the Jets at plus 175. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to get them or get behind them at plus 150. Um, at, that's that's a price that I've seen at, at some other shops. Um, so that was what I had come in here prepared to uh, to say today. But now that you mentioned uh, a price of plus 175, that's something to consider and monitor uh, heading uh, towards uh, game one. But I think I would like to see Ehlers in before I before I jump on that price because you might get a little bit better of a price uh, once he's uh, confirmed out, uh, if that is the case. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Jet fans saying the same thing right, right now, <laughs> looking at the upcoming series and these numbers. The, the only edge that we have as sports bettors, the only real tangible edge is the fact that we don't have to make a wager. So, um, you know, have a little bit of uh, discipline here and, and <laughs> some willpower and, and try to wait it out and, and look for the best price that you can guess uh, leading into this series if you're looking to back the Jets. Andy McNeil's with us here from Vissin on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, let's talk about the rest of the playoffs. And you, you kind of mentioned um, only two series, <clears throat> only two numbers kind of stuck out to you right off the bat. Uh, what are the two series? What are the two numbers that you like that you've already fired on? So I've uh, I've bet the Boston Bruins to win the series at minus 130 up to minus 140, uh, minus 145. Um I'll be looking to uh, to back the Bruins in Game One here at the current price. Uh, it looks looks pretty good. I'm actually willing to uh, to lay a bigger price than that in Game One. Uh, I've I've handicapped the series uh, and have landed on Boston winning um, roughly 64% of the time, which translates to odds of minus 178. So uh, a big discrepancy here, in my opinion, uh, between what I have and and what the odds makers are offering. Um, and the other one that was just uh, released today, and the price might vary a little bit. I've seen anywhere from plus 185 all the way up to plus 220 um, on the Minnesota Wild. And this one pains me a little bit uh, because I've, I've um, if, if there's any matchup that I got wrong this season, it's the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, my prices, my estimates have come down, uh, you know, kind of continuously as these games have played out throughout the season. Um, and and now I'm I'm, you know, pretty close to uh, a 50-50 matchup here, although I do have the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights winning about 57% of the time, but um, you know that's much less than, than the price or than the, the odds uh, plus 190 imply. So if you can chop around and get the Minnesota Wild at anywhere from two to one, uh, the matchup advantage, they basically played break-even hockey against the Golden Knights, have been better than them, than them in, in a lot of ways this season. Uh, I think both of those bets are, are, are really good ones to make. Uh, Andy, it's funny you bring up the wild because, you know, we, uh, you know, over the course of this week, we've been talking about some of the, you know, speaking about Calgary, probably the most disappointing team in the league with the season that they've had. But and I imagine you've been seeing this from day one of the season. Uh, not a lot of people had the Minnesota wild being as competitive as they've been this year. And I don't know whether we could have imagined that Kaprizov would come in and be as dominant as he has been so early, but from guys here in Winnipeg that have seen a ton of the Wild over the past few seasons up until this year, I'm watching this Wild team play the likes of Vegas and Colorado, and I'm like, this doesn't seem like the Wild that we remember from the Central Division. Um, maybe more so than any team, they took huge steps forward that I think a lot of people weren't expecting. Yeah, they, they, they certainly surprised me in a lot of ways. I mean, I expected Tam, 
Cam Talbot to be um, a serviceable goaltender, but but he's been you know much better than I anticipated this year. So that has a lot to do with it. Um, I don't actually think that the Wild have been blowing the doors off anybody, and especially down the stretch here. If you look at the the underlying metrics, things like expected goals and whatnot, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have been playing you know, pretty much the same competition, obviously they're in the same division, but they've been matched up against a lot of the same teams and, and Vegas has been steamrolling them uh, in, in a lot of these uh, um, regards and, and the wild have been uh, kind of just putting along, but they've, they've, you know, pretty much ended up with the same results. So it's, it's kind of uh, inexplicable. Um, you know, I, I think Vegas is the better team here, but uh, I definitely think the odds uh, imply that Minnesota has uh, a much worse chance than they actually do of getting past the Golden Knights. So it's a bet that I expect to lose more often than I win, but there's definitely some positive expected value uh, in betting the Wild at around 2-1. to one. Excellent. Now, um, when we look at some of these other series right now, let me ask you about the East Division because um, – you know, I, I like Pittsburgh in this series at minus 139. And part of it, and it's kind of funny, you know, I've been talking about, you know, hey, let's not get too caught up in the recency bias of what we've seen from the Jets lately. Um, and maybe we should be saying the same thing about the New York Islanders. I still have to just think that there is, you know, a chip on the shoulder of the Penguins from being swept by them a couple of years ago. And the the turnaround that they've had as a team right now coming in, um, you know, they're going in one direction. The Islanders have been going in the other. And to be honest, I kind of expected that number to be a little bit more for Pittsburgh. Um, you know, you talked about the Boston series right now, but give me your thoughts on Pittsburgh and the Islanders and where this number ended up at. You know what? I've actually, uh, I actually had this one being, you know, one of the closer matchups, actually the closest. Uh, I've got Penguins, the Penguins winning it uh, about 54% of the time, which, which translates to odds of minus 120 for a series price. Um, I've actually seen, it looks like a little bit of, of action has come in on, on the Islanders uh, when they've gotten up around plus 125 uh, or, or thereabouts. Um, so it seems like there's a little bit of resistance or, or the market kind of agrees that this is a, a close series. Um, but, you know, the, the Islanders, the only real advantage they have is, is in goal, I think. Um, I'm not convinced that, that Tristan Jari is, is uh, a number one goaltender in the NHL. Um, and uh, like you said, there, you know, there, there's definitely the aspect of, of the Islanders and, and not playing very good hockey down the stretch here. Kyle Palmieri has been a total disappointment, um, despite, you know, it's weird because he's, he's been one of the most consistent guys in the league year after year. Uh, but that's not been the case. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of question marks for the Islanders, uh, but they've got great coaching um, and I think they'll keep things fairly close with, um, you know, the Penguins. If you look at the season series, yeah, it was pretty lopsided if you're just looking at the results. Um, but as far as, you know, things like expected goals, shot attempts, uh, things of that nature, um, the Isles kept it close and even bested the Pittsburgh Penguins in, in some of those categories. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be pretty close. What likely happens is that Pittsburgh's high-end skill leads to them winning out more often than not. And that's why I have them a favorite, but I don't think there's, there's too much separating these two teams, uh, you know, overall. Now, uh, maybe the most interesting first round matchup or one of them, because it's going to be an amazing first round outside of the North division, which is kind of like our own league here, North of the border um, is the battle of Florida Panthers. I'll be honest. I was waiting for the Florida Panthers to sort of fall off and they didn't. And, you know, you look at the number for this lightning Panthers series and it's Tampa minus minus one twenty. And that is knowing that they're getting back Kucherov and they're getting back Stamkos. Um, 
Tampa defending champs at 120, I think to people that haven't maybe been paying close attention, seems like, you know, a no brainer, an auto bet. Um, what, what, what odds? Sorry. At minus 120 for the series. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a no brainer. So um, <laughs> that's a really, that's a really, uh, really great price. In my you know what? Opinion. I just realized I got it on it. I got it at 120 yesterday when we were doing okay. our stuff for the lock shop. I see it's moved now a little bit minus 135 for Tampa and plus 115 for Florida. Um, but even regardless of odds, I mean, just your thoughts on that series. What did your numbers say, and uh, how do you see this one playing out? And how do we account for the boost that this lineup's going to get with the likes of Kucherov and Stamkos coming back? Yeah, the, the Panthers were probably my biggest. I haven't checked to, to make sure that this is uh, exactly right, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the Panthers were my biggest miss this season as far as you know projecting their their kind of their finish. I had them around 60 points. I uh, had them miss in the playoffs. Um, about 55% of the time, obviously they, they chased, uh, the hurricanes for, uh, the central division title and, and, you know, finished with around 80 points, I believe. So, uh, a big miss there, but, you know, I feel pretty confident that I, I know what this team is now. Um, and they're much different than the one that we saw in the bubble, uh, which was a very soft team that wasn't ready for playoff hockey. The Islanders totally pushed them around. Um, you know, but the, the, they haven't seen a team like they're going to see, uh, here in the playoffs yet this season um, because, you know, Nikita Kucherov and Steven Samkos missing so much time, uh, Kucherov missing the whole season, obviously. Um, but so, there, you know, it, it's it's interesting here because I think the Lightning of all the teams have the biggest range of, of kind of possibilities here. Um, you could see the team, uh, you know, despite the inclusion of, of Kucherov and Samkos, you, you could see the team that we've seen down the stretch over the last month here. Uh, which which hasn't been very good, and and maybe they they struggle to find some chemistry uh, right off the bat, and that opens up the doors for the Florida Panthers uh, to to maybe jump out to an early lead uh, in the series, and um, you know, pull get get one over on the Lightning. But uh, with all that being said, um, and you know, a few months ago, I I would have had this one uh, a much bigger gap between these two teams, but I've got the Lightning winning. Uh, roughly 60% of the time. So odds of minus 150, which is what I'm seeing at a lot of shops out there. So I haven't actually bet on the lightning myself uh, at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this one in particular uh, is one where I'm not sure that Florida is going to make the right decision in goal and go with Chris Drieger and Sergei Bobrovsky. So that's, that gives me a little bit of pause. Um, but, but this one I think is something that, you know, a game one that people are really going to want to pay attention to and see which, which kind of lightning team uh, shows up here in the playoffs against the Panthers. We, I think we know what kind of Panthers team is going to show up. They've had an edge against the lightning all season long. So uh, whether or not the lightning can find themselves in time uh, and not fall behind in the series is another story. Andy McNeil with us here from this and um, avalanche massive favorites. I'm seeing minus 435 on the series. St. Louis plus 335. St. Louis has been pretty good over the past, you know, kind of six, eight weeks as they've trended into the postseason. We heard Ryan O'Reilly say yesterday that they're going in and they're going to win. Now, well, every now and then you can hear some player with a bit of bravado that might nudge you closer to pressing the, the send button on a wager. But um, is there any reason to think that the St. Louis Blues might be able to pull off a shocking upset? We see at least one every year, it seems, Andy. Yeah, I mean, of course there's a reason. Um, and like, and it's mostly going to come down to whether or not they can get lucky and get great goaltending uh, over the course of a few games here. Um, obviously everything that the, the blues aren't doing well, the avalanche are doing very well. Uh, it's, you know, they're polar opposites in so many ways. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that St. Louis has even been able to squeak in into the playoffs, given how many man games they lost the injury and illness this year. I think they're right up there at the top. So, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting series. What kind of, you know, what, what version of the blues do we see? Um, it's, uh, it doesn't look like we'll see anything close to the one that we saw a couple of years ago that won a Stanley cup. Um, and you know, the avalanche there, there are some question marks. What's, what's Nathan McKinnon's health like right now? I think they can overcome a blues team even without McKinnon. Um, but I, I have actually have them around minus one or four eighty five uh, as, as my price, I've got them winning, um, about 83% of the time. And, and you said minus four forty as a price right now. So that, that implies about an 81 and a half percent chance. So not a big edge there. Uh, it's, you know, a really, really small edge. I would look to, to maybe, uh, looking for something like, um, you know, a series spread, uh, maybe, uh, a one and a half games. Now I would have to look here. I give that about a 67% implied probability. So, um, that would translate to, uh, minus two Oh three. So if you can find anything, you know, shorter than minus two Oh three on, on avalanche, uh, minus 1.5 games in the series. Uh, that might be a good bet to make there. Andy, before we go, I've got to ask you, uh, do you have any uh, investments on any of the cup futures, um, con Smythe uh, bets, anything like that that might be interesting uh, for our viewers? So I hadn't, you know, got a chance to really dig into the con Smythe stuff, but I, I, you know, typically if you're, if you're looking for some fun bets to make, that's a great place to look at, at some long odds. Uh, and, you, and you want to align those opinions with, you know, the teams that you think will uh, make it, make it far in the playoffs, obviously. Uh, I mean, if you, if you like the Penguins uh, to go far, you could look at a, a Sidney Crosby at 20 to one or Malkin at 40 to one. I believe those are prices that I've seen, um, to to win the con smite obviously if the if the penguins are to make it uh those players will both be in the mix and and those odds are, are much longer than their their current uh, stanley cup odds if i'm not mistaken um but uh you know as far as um stanley cup futures i, I really feel that the those the, the futures the stanley cup futures in uh, specifically are things that you want to you want to try to build throughout the season i mean there are so many good opportunities a few years ago when st louis uh you know, was, was in the bottom of the league before they battled back and won the Stanley cup, they were being offered at 200 to one, right. And, and 300 to one and prices like that. And even this year, um, you know, the, the, the hurricanes prior to the season, 20 to one, uh, the Maple Leafs around 17 to one prior to the season. I'm sure the jets were at much longer odds. Um, I'm holding the hurricanes, the Leafs, uh, a Canadians bet from, from prior to the season at 50 to one, um, uh, a St. Louis blues bet at almost 60 to one, uh, you know, some of those, I'm, I'm not sure what the, the current prices are, but I, I wouldn't exactly look to add anything. Those futures markets are, are typically uh, not the, the most are, are typically don't offer a ton of value uh, at this time of year. Uh, does it make sense that the Avalanche are the Stanley Cup favorite right now, though, in your mind? Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're clearly the best team right now. Um, obviously, a lot can happen in the next two months. Um, and but, you know, they've got a pretty easy road to the second round here. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I, I do have a little bit of concern of, you know, if, if Vegas does get past Minnesota, I think that matchup is a little closer than people think. Um, I think overall at the avalanche have, you know, kind of, uh, destroyed teams, I guess, on a more, uh, consistent basis. Um, but, but, you know, based on how we've seen the golden Knights play the avalanche this year, 
particularly in that last game where they really, you know, just own possession uh, and, and the shots and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I think that that definitely uh, is going to be a closer matchup than people think if we if we, hopefully we all get that as much as I would like to win my Minnesota Wild uh, series bet here. Um, we've got to get the Golden Knights yes. the Avalanche in the second round, right? Absolutely. Hockey needs that. And what a show that will be, assuming we do get that matchup that I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm looking right now. I mean, the Avalanche are the shortest number at 450. The Leafs are 550. Get that stuff out of here. <laughs> oh, sorry. My desk is my desk is just a little uh, messy. And-, and with that, you're out of here, pal. No, listen, this has been a lot of fun having you on the program, dude. And uh, and I guess just going out, the one thing we can count on is uh, you like Boston. Game one tomorrow to get things started against the Washington Capitals. Yeah, I do. I do. And I think um, there's a lot of question marks uh, in that Capitals lineup and a lot of question marks as to just how healthy uh, some of these players are. And, and Boston, I mean, they've found their, their chemistry. Uh, they're, they're, they've got a 1A and a 1B and basically a 3A and a 3B right now. And I really like what I'm seeing from them. They were an elite team uh, coming into the season and uh, they've, they've bounced right back. And you can almost write off what we saw in the middle of the season there. Hey, what do you think? I'm on a prop, uh, plus 125 on David Pasternak over two and a half goals in round one. Plus one. I, well, you know what? Uh, off the top of my head, I think that's probably a pretty good bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I think Pasta, I mean, the guy can score. And I think this series has very good chance of going six or seven games as well, which uh, is obviously good if you're hitting those overs. Andy, you know what? Uh, it's it's really tough. I mean, that's why we don't see a lot of sweeps and a lot of five game sets here because you know it's it's tough to end those series. I don't have many projected to go uh, really short here. Most going five six uh, at the least, right? So beautiful. Well, hey, listen, dude, this is a lot of fun having you on the program. We will definitely do this again soon. Good luck uh, beginning tomorrow, and um, you know, hopefully in a couple of weeks you'll have something to do with that Oilers merch. Uh, you can put it away for uh, I don't know a few months before we get going on next October. <laughs> Go Jets. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. There he is. Follow, hey, him on Twitter, follow him on Twitter at Digital Gambler, and you can see Andy McNeil's work at Vissen and at Vissen Live. We're going to get back to the Jets, Stanley Cup playoffs, and much more with Ted Wyman in just a couple minutes. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by Royal Sports. Um, I'm not sure if you checked the forecast, folks, but it is gorgeous out, and it's just getting nicer So why not plan a trip down to Royal Sports and get your new fitness equipment, bikes, um, you know, obviously disc golf. We've talked a lot about that. What a great activity to do right now outside. Uh, Soccer, baseball, licensed merch. And, of course, saw on their Insta yesterday some nice new whiteout merchandise. So go down, get ready for spring, summer, and the playoffs. Get the whites out. Royal Sports, 650 Rally EEK and 650 Pembina Highway, and of course, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, along with Polo Park and St. Anne's. Both the Northgate and Niverville locations have drive through right now. There is no dine-in, but the Blizzard machines are working overtime right now, and Nick has told me to make sure you try the new Drumstick Blizzard, apparently, maybe the best flavor yet. So um, I, I count on me. I will certainly be getting into that, uh, getting into one of those at some point on the weekend. And as I mentioned, we are looking forward to talking Cineboy Downs a little bit later on. Um, Kirk Contois is going to join us, but opening day pushed back a week to May, May 24th, and we will have Darren Dunn join us beforehand. But in the meantime, Remus and I just got set up with our HPI bet accounts last night. You can do that and get ready for opening day, as well as the Preakness coming up a little later on. 
All right, let's get back to some Jets talk here. Lots of fun hitting the lines with Andy McNeil. Now we bring in Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun returning to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Ted, how are you, man? Great to talk to you again. Great to see your show thriving uh, at this time of year. Is uh, It's interesting because it's mid-May and it seems like everything's just heating up. Uh, usually this is kind of more of a wind-down time between NHL season and CFL, but uh, not so much this year. Yeah, no doubt. Listen, I'm going to ask you about the CFL and whatnot in a moment. But hey, before we get to it, and people listening to the podcast won't be able to see this, but um, a beautiful background today for your thing. Now, the last time it looked like you were in some sort of a uh, like a fishing hut or something like that. You had a wood stove in the background. Have you have you moved in the past month since we saw you last, or uh, is this just one of the many looks of the Wyman compound? Well, I'm a nomad these days, <laughs> so uh, those were uh, cottage uh, backgrounds in the yes. past. This is home, so ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, I like to you know set it up nicely and. Uh, Give the viewers something other than this to look at. <laughs> hey, listen, great to have you on. I do want to touch on a little bit of Curly and CFL, but let's get right to it. Um, Jets, Oilers set up for next Wednesday. We've got this one game tonight. Uh, you know, we heard you no know, Andrew Kopp tonight. Connor Hellebuck will play. No Mitch Marner for the Leafs. Um, is this going to be a glorified scrimmage, Ted, that essentially the teams both say, let's not do anything stupid and hopefully we'll see each other in three weeks in the second round of the playoffs? Yeah, it's the exhibition game that nobody got this year, right? Because there were none at the beginning of the season. That That's really what we're looking at here. There's not a whole lot of reason in my mind why you'd overstress yourself, uh, potentially get somebody hurt, anything like that, with so much more important games just around the corner next week. It is interesting, though, that this game is tonight, and then you've got four full days before you actually start that series. Um, that's quite a lot of time between the two. I'm sure everyone wants to use this as some sort of a tune-up so that they're you know, feeling fresh and ready for when that those biggest of the games do start. Now, Ted, uh, it goes without saying that confidence levels were low amongst the fan base, and I'd have to imagine yeah. after losing seven in a row and nine of ten, they weren't exactly very high in and around the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I don't know how much we can take from one game, I listen, and it's not just one game. I do think they were better in the previous games before that, generated more, the pucks weren't going in. But man, when you think about the way they locked down Vancouver, Hellebuck getting another shutout, but most importantly, a nine-point explosion for that top line. I realize it's just one game, but if you're looking for good signs for the Winnipeg Jets, getting back to the team that you know had put themselves basically clinching a playoff spot with two months left in the season... Um, that was the glimpse of what Jet fans certainly will hope to see more of come Wednesday in Edmonton. Yeah, for sure, a glimpse of hope. But, uh, you know, I I personally look more at the series head-to-head with Edmonton as the concerning issue for the Winnipeg Jets. And even long before, really, they got heavily into this losing streak, I realized a couple of those Edmonton games were part of the losing streak. But... It, it you could really see that there was a domination there by one side. Um, the Jets had no answer for McDavid and Dreisaitl, even though they were trying to shut them down, and then they had no offense because of that, and they were getting out goaltended. And r- really, in almost all of those games, other than a couple, Edmonton outplayed Winnipeg quite drastically. And, you know, so I, I kind of was raising those alarm bells back then that, if they have to play Edmonton in the playoffs, nothing about this season series bodes well. 
Uh, that goes without saying. And ending it with six straight losses. Um, well, if anything, Jets are very much due for a win against Edmonton. And uh, if they can get one in game number one, uh, it really does change everything. But as far as the matchup and as far as, I mean, from Paul Maurice's standpoint, I mean, the one thing that stands out to me from the season series was, I mean, first off, Connor McDavid and how he and Leon Dreisaitl absolutely ate up the Jets. But also was the fact that it happens so often going up against the Jets' top line with Mark Shifley. The head-to-head Shifley versus McDavid matchup was ugly for Winnipeg. How do you see Maurice, and granted, he's not going to have the the last change in Edmonton in games one and two, but do you think that option A for the Winnipeg Jets will be putting Adam Lowry up against Connor McDavid, and at that point, after that is option two, Paul Stastny, with now Pierre-Luc Dubois playing on the wing um, before and sort of the last option, the the one that you don't want, Shifley versus McDavid, which would presumably free up the Shifley line to hopefully get theirs against, you know, some lesser competition and frankly spend some more time in the other team's zone. Can I just say yes to all that? That's kind of boring, but, uh, you know, I think you hit it on the head there. Uh, I think that is obviously the ideal matchup there is going to be Lowry. He's been, um, you know, he is a a very, very good defensive center and a guy that can really shut someone down. McDavid is a different beast altogether, of course. Uh, And so, you know, I don't think you're ever shutting him down. I think if you keep him to two points, that's probably a huge win in any game. Um, Three points is pretty tough because then you got to score four goals to win that game. And and that's probably not good enough, but I I do think they have some options, which is nice, you know, because Stastny can handle that role. And even Dubois for that matter, if they do move things around and put him in the middle, he's another big center um, who, when he came to Winnipeg, certainly was advertised as a good two way center that could play that kind of game. I think it's kind of frustrating probably for Jets fans and certainly for Mark Shifley himself that people don't think that he can handle that job. That's certainly, you know, from all his career here in Winnipeg, all he's wanted is to be as good as the very best. Well, this season that hasn't worked out for him. Um, But again, I think that different things do happen in the playoffs. And that's a point that I, I wanted to bring up. Yeah, they went two and seven against Edmonton. And yeah, they went two and eight or two and nine down the stretch here. But things change in the playoffs. And we saw that even last summer. I mean, Edmonton was a great team going into the playoffs last summer as well. And they got owned by Chicago. I mean, these things do happen in the playoffs. You can be very much, look at Tampa Bay a couple of years ago, losing in the first round, they were by far the best team in the NHL and they're out in four straight games. I mean, weird stuff happens in the playoffs and maybe just maybe, the Jets will have their turn to have some of that weird stuff. Well, certainly they're going to need to be a lot better than they have been as of late. Um, and they're going to need, like, not only to do their best to minimize. Like, you can't have Connor McDavid having three and four-point games and expect to win. I mean, just straight up. Impossible. I mean, he's going to have a point. He'll get two. But you can't have those big nights. And the other side of things is you need to be getting scoring of your own. And um, that to me, Ted, from an optimism perspective, I don't think there could have been a more important thing to happen on Tuesday night than for that line to finally see some red lights go on. And, you know, granted that game's going to mean nothing when we get to Wednesday. I get that. 
But there is an element of confidence, of momentum, of going in the right direction that the certain team and the line itself certainly wasn't a couple weeks ago that they seem to be getting a bit of traction right now. And I mean, I just can't possibly see a path to victory for the Winnipeg Jets that doesn't include Mark Shifley and that line, you know, being effective offensively as well as being a bit better at holding their own in their own end. Well, no question about it. The the difference, of course, with the Jets now to the playoffs last season when they lost out pretty quickly to Calgary, but albeit without Mark Shifley and Patrick Liney and Mason Appleton in the lineup, those were obviously huge blows. But the difference now is that you do bring in a guy like a Dubois who were, you know, I did not see all of the series with Toronto and Columbus last year, but everything I've heard is he's been unbelievable. So you've got that possibility of having uh, this team do okay, even without that line being in top form in terms of scoring. That's, I think there's more scoring depth. I think that's the point that I'm trying to make here. But, yeah, you do need to see it from them. And they need to step up. And, I mean, the, honestly, after Shifley went down in the playoffs last year, the rest of those guys were pretty much invisible. And it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty easy win for Calgary. So, yeah, you got to step up. And, I mean, it's it's kind of tough to sit here and say, hey, Mark Shifley needs to step up in the playoffs. Well, what did he have, 14 goals a couple of years ago in that run? Yeah, uh, and all of five yeah. minutes last year before he was out on his second shift, which right. essential, for all intents and purposes ended the series. But I think that's the example of why not only do the Jets need Shifley in the lineup, but they need the best, most committed version of Mark Shifley. Um, because, as I said, look at what what was the difference maker in the run in 2018. And we've talked a lot about Connor Hellebuck, and Hellebuck was great at times. Mark Shifley had 14 goals in 17 playoff games then, Ted. I mean, Mark Shifley yeah. was the leader. He drove the bus, and he dragged his team at times to victories. And they're going to need that guy back, ready to be better than ever, with maybe the biggest challenge and test of his entire career going up against the Oilers and that guy wearing number 97 on the other side of the ice. Right, and I mean, I think it's fair to say that he didn't look like himself for the last half of this season, at least not the player that people had come to expect him to look like. And uh, and that player in the playoffs in 2018, well, that guy wasn't here in the last few months in Winnipeg, uh, the last couple of months. It's only, it's a pretty short season. But, you know, I think he did have a pretty darn good start to this year and he looked really good for a, a lot of it. But maybe playing against these same teams all the time and having guys like McDavid and Matthews dunk on you all the time is, uh, you know, gets you a bit down. Uh, you have to wonder if, uh, if that plays into why he has had, I think, a bit of a fragile uh, psyche over the last little while here. But again, it's been proven that that guy can do something really good in the playoffs. He's done it. And it's also been proven that without him last year in the playoffs, the Jets were pretty much a mess. They di- didn't have their their power play couldn't work without them. Uh, their top line obviously was not the same. Incredibly important player, but he has to show up. Yeah, and uh, and he's got a great opportunity to uh, erase. I mean, no one will be talking about the uh, domination by McDavid in the regular season if all of a sudden you can flip the script come playoff time. But again, the challenge is massive for both Shifley and the Winnipeg Jets overall. As far as the blue line goes, um, it is interesting. We're going to see Dylan DeMello move up with Josh Morrissey. Many people have been talking about that happening throughout the year. Tucker Pullman's out right now. Not really sure about his status going forward. He was still in the non-contact jersey today. 
But assuming that Pullman is out, um, do you see Maurice going with Stanley and then on that third pairing? And let me just ask you, if Pullman comes back in, who do you think of the six we'll see tonight is the guy coming out? <laughs> Boy, that really gets uh, interesting at that point. Um, my gut would say that Paul Maurice likes veterans more than anything else when it comes to his blue line. So um, maybe Stanley would be the one that would come out and Ben could switch over to the other side. But there's a lot of different options that they have there on that blue line. And I don't think it's going to look the same all six games. I think if uh, Edmonton puts up a number in either game one or game two or both, then you're going to look at a different blue line configuration for the rest of that series. And it's going to be tinkered with. Unfortunately for the Jets, it's been tinkering all year. I I don't think they've ever really had a particularly set lineup, not in terms of lines and D pairings. And I think that's maybe hurt them a little bit because they got to this point and they still haven't really had that, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. And, uh, and everything, Every option is on the table when you're trying to win a series. And the one guy that didn't come up yet, and I'm sure you're going to talk about him, but you know what a difference Nikolai Ehlers could make to this team, given how well he played up until his injury and his zone entries and his ability to generate offense, uh, very, very badly missed. Well, let me ask you about Ehlers because, I mean, we heard Maurice to today speak that, you know, couldn't say he was for sure for game one, Couldn't certainly wouldn't say that he was out for game one. And and I think back to the day Maurice came out and after the Leaf game and told everyone that Ehlers is out for the rest of the regular season. But the quote was, we're both confident and hopeful that he'll be back for the beginning of the playoffs. And said on the program, we certainly hope that the emphasis was on confident as opposed to hopeful. But it does seem like right now we're in the hopeful stage that, you know, there's no certainly no guarantees that he will be there. And um, his return to the lineup, Ted, could be a, you know, an, a huge boost that the team really does need right now at the most important time of the year. Um, but again, if he's not there, you got to go with the guys that brought you there. And um, that's the lineup that we'll pretty much see tonight, minus Andrew Cobb. Yeah, and this is where those four days off between the end of the season and the start of the series are really valuable because that is going to give Nikolai Ehlers a chance, I think three practices to to start, you know, getting back into form and and to show the coach that he's ready. I mean, I think Paul Maurice is giving an honest answer. Today, he can't say because he just hasn't seen enough. Ehlers hasn't been able to do enough, but he should be able to do enough of the, uh, you know, drills and whatnot that he needs to do to show the coach in the, you know, in the coming days. And that could give a, a great opportunity for him to be back in the lineup on Wednesday. And, and like you said, and like I said before, he has been a huge difference maker for this team this year. And it's not just the points. It's the way that he carries the puck and maintains possession when he gets into the zone that makes such a huge difference in my mind. Well, and Ted, and to be honest with you, I think this is even more crucial against a team like the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, Ehlers got knocked out in the Toronto game. And we remember they went into those two Edmonton games where, I mean, I don't want to bring those games up because they were that bad, but... Um, if you recall, without Ehlers in the 6-1 game, the Jets were just repeatedly dumping the puck in. Mike Smith said thank you very much, would get it on his stick and rip it up. And literally, before it even got into their own end, it was going the other way. And, you know, we said the day after, it's, man, if there was ever a time that you missed Nikolai Ehlers, the ability to get the puck on his stick, 
for a fast guy, slow the game down, if you will, maintain possession, set up shop in the other team's zone for a change. And that just simply wasn't happening. And if Ehlers is not there, the one thing the Jets certainly are going to need to do, assuming that Mike Smith is the goaltender for the Oilers, which certainly will be the case come game one, is figure out a better, more effective way to actually get some offensive zone time as opposed to counting on winning those battles after getting the puck away from one of the best puck handling goalies in the NHL. Yeah, I think more players need to do what Ehlers does, which is he backs in the defense with his speed and maintains possession when he gets across the blue line, sometimes hooks back whatever he needs to do to get the puck on a stick of a teammate or get a shot towards the net. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of other guys on this team right now that do that. There are a lot more of the guys that are going to chip it past the defenseman. And then, like you said, once it gets into that trapezoid and you've got a chance for, uh, for Smith to make a play, he's one of the best in the game at doing that. And uh, honestly, Smith has been a huge factor for the Oilers all year, but particularly against the Jets. I don't think any of us at the beginning of the season would have said that Edmonton would out-goaltend Winnipeg in that season series, but they absolutely did. And, you know, Connor Hellebuck sure as heck can't handle the puck the way that Mike Smith can. So uh, there's a distinctive advantage there for Edmonton, almost like that third defenseman back there, if the Jets let them play it that way. No, for sure. I mean, it's something, hey, listen, I think they learned their lesson a few games ago and uh, how they'll handle that, especially if Nick Ehlers isn't available for game number one, will be very interesting to uh, to follow. Ted Wyman from the Winnipeg Suns with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Ted, um, I have to ask you about a couple of things non-Jets related. I know it'll be all playoffs all the time next week. Um, been very quiet around CFL circles lately, post-draft. Um, we have heard that Ontario and BC still haven't approved any sort of return to play for the CFL. I mean, I know you're connected and following this on a daily basis. Um, what's going on behind the scenes right now? What's happening with the Canadian Football League? And uh, is this plan of getting back on the field for the 5th of August um, in danger? Or is it still sort of on plan with more people getting vaccinated? Well, I talked to a very prominent CFL player today who told me he's 99% confident that there will be games on August 5th. Um, he says from all the information that he's been receiving, from all the talk from the league, from agents, from other players, there's a lot of confidence that they are going to be able to do that. What that will actually look like is kind of still up in the air, Huss, because there's a pretty good chance that it's not going to be able to happen in Ontario uh, and some of those teams, uh, probably from Quebec as well, are going to have to move west and play games out west for a while. Uh, and, and then we'll see. And as you mentioned, the vaccination situation is uh, different everywhere in the country. Um, and there's also different levels of comfort with the medical health officials as to how much you can open up just because you are a certain percentage vaccinated. I, I don't think the CFL really... I don't think the CFL owners have a huge appetite for playing this season without fans, without any promise of fans at some point during the season, because it's an incredible expense. But, you know, it seems to be trending the right way. I feel like today it's very hard to say because the numbers are still bad here in Manitoba. They're still bad in Ontario. They're still bad in Alberta. And, you know, you you can't really picture how it's going to work if you're looking at today, but... August 5th is still a ways off. And, you know, the second or third week in June when they want to start training camps is still a ways off. So 
I think there's hope there. I think there's a real plan in place. Um, executing it is not going to be easy. And there is going to be some trepidation with the owners uh, about it. And that is potentially a problem. But it's good to at least know, I think, that the players are feeling confident because they certainly weren't feeling confident last year. Well, that definitely is good to hear. I mean, the, the the one my biggest concern right now, and I guess this ties into all the stuff we heard about the future of the league and a potential partnership, whatever you want to call it, with the XFL, is the fact that BC, Toronto, Montreal, I mean, do we even know that these teams want to play this season if, in fact, they need to, you know, eat the cost? Even if they have fans, we know that they haven't had enough in recent years when things have been in normal times Never mind right now, Ted. Well, we don't know it for sure. I mean, I'm not in those board meetings. I'm, you know, I can't say that uh, off off hand right here, but I can say that the, you know, the Toronto market is driven obviously by MLSE, TSN, uh, that partnership. I don't think they've made a lot of secret of the fact that they're pretty on board with the idea of a XFL merger. And that that's where the future lies for this team. And yeah, I think in the bigger markets where the crowds have been going down and the interest level has been going down, that seems like the only future. And in the smaller markets where crowds still appreciate the game for what it is and the logos and the excitement of it, you know, I think it's a a pretty different story. There's a lot of fear of that in Winnipeg and in Saskatchewan and in the Alberta cities. A lot of fear of what uh, going down that road might entail. And I'm personally on that on the side that says, you know, it's great to try to have a future. If you really don't think your future can work in Canada the way that it always has, then it's great that you're trying to plan for a future. But this whole idea of hitching a wagon to a secondary football league in the United States, which just has never worked, seems incredibly risky. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, the stakes are high right now for the CFL. I mean, you know, we talked about, I mean, listen, I, I, my when I first heard that, Ted, I mean, the first thing I said was, well, there is absolutely no chance that we're hearing about this publicly unless they are in a situation where they are legitimately concerned about the long-term viability and future of the Canadian Football League. And, you know, as I said, I guess you could make, like, what does a six-team CFL look like? I mean, you got Ottawa and Hamilton out in the east, and then, you know, the Bombers, Riders, and a couple Alberta teams. I mean, that, I guess you'd still have people that would support the teams would go, but I mean, that, to me, would be would be devastating to the Canadian Football League. And, and then there's the other part of, you know, how are you going to truly grow the game, grow revenue streams, and I mean, I, I personally believe there's a number of things moving the schedule up with the advent of gambling. You know, if you're marketing it right with the right partners, there's a huge potential for the CFL with the XFL, whatever to go forward. As I said, obviously, like every Canadian football fan, I think we'd all prefer that we just had the status quo and go forward. But it's pretty clear even before the pandemic that I'm not sure that was realistic or viable after missing a season and in the spot they're in right now. It's obvious they have to look for every possible option to get this game back on the field and and do it without losing teams and maintaining the jobs in the CFL. Wow, it's a tall order, isn't it? You know, and yeah. fans are obviously very important to the CFL in in this format especially. Um, but so is television. 
And if you had a six-team league like you were talking about without the biggest markets, I don't know what television channel would want to show that. I mean, realistically, that would be not a very, you know, I don't think that would be a very educated move to, to, to have that kind of a deal. But also, you talked about the betting, and I mean, you're much more of an expert on that than I am. And I mean, that is kind of the future of a lot of sports leagues uh, in terms of uh, new revenues. And I think that uh, I, I think that's something that is being you know heavily um, counted on down the road here, especially with the merger. Well, and, and listen, this is why I think there are some positives to what we've heard about potentially happening with the CFL XFL and the fact that the XFL season, you know, in its last incarnation, which got you know laid out by like the pandemic, which actually did start quite well and successfully you know, was, you know, a week or two after the Super Bowl, they get going. Now, there's no way the Bombers or the Riders are going to be able to play games in February or in March. But if you took away some of that time lag in between the beginning of the CFL and and you basically you position that league in between Labor Day and the end of NFL season, and listen, maybe your championship game goes into NFL season, but you're basically set up good to go for that period being the only football league going with proper marketing on both sides of the border with, you know, and football is the number one gambling sport in North America, and it's not even close, Ted. And, you know, I just really think there is a, a way more potential doing that than right now with the CFL when you're traditionally playing at the same time. NFL, college football is going. It's not going to be the first choice with all of those other options, but if it is earlier in the season, I think the benefits to the CFL right now, as we know it, or whatever it's going to be called in the future, um, is 10 times what it is right now with the current schedule of when they play. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I personally, I, I love football just like you do. Um, but I thought the XFL starting so quickly after the Super Bowl and the same with the Alliance of American Football, I kind of thought those were curious decisions. I mean, they needed to be in a certain window when they could have success and not be up against the NFL. But, I mean, there, there has to be a little bit of a hangover for people. You know, they've just gone through a full season. They've got all that excitement from the Super Bowl. And it's like, okay, now I'm going to start on a new league, and I'm going to start liking this league, which doesn't have as good of players as the NFL does. Like, that part I didn't quite get. So they'd, they have to be flexible in terms of moving their schedule around. And the CFL, I think, is willing to be mm -hmm. um, flexible in terms of moving its schedule around but there's only so much you can do because as you pointed out you just can't play games here too early in the spring and you can't you, you know they do play them probably too late in the fall but uh, there's a lot who think they shouldn't no doubt about it uh, ted hey great having you on the program just quickly on the way out um you did a great job covering the curling as well um you know what a run it was for team einerson um and carrie who's still playing with the yeah. world mix coming up with brad gushu um yeah. but the way that the girls started off the world's down one and five and battled back to uh, first and foremost frankly not be the team that blew the guaranteed olympic spot for canada i think that pressure must have been heavy on them and maybe we saw that in the final round but just overall you've been following them for the last few months a uh, pretty incredible run for carrie and the, her team well man you know like they they don't like to say anything like we feel the pressure of wearing the maple leaf or the pressure of qualifying for the olympics but the moment they did qualify for the Olympics, they all said, yeah, we were feeling that, <laughs> you know, because you don't want to be that team. 
that puts Canada into that position. Like the situation would have been crazy. They would have been doing their Olympic trials before the last chance qualifying tournament. So the team that would be competing through a grueling Olympic trials process would then presumably be asked to go to Europe and, you know, compete against a bunch of other teams just for the chance to get to the Olympic games. Uh, there was a crazy prospect uh, that came very close to happening. And when they were one in five, you, you certainly thought there was a very good chance that it was going to go that way. Great job by them to come back and get as far as they did. It's a little concerning to me that Canada finished sixth in both the men's and women's this year. Um, there's a lot of elite talent in curling uh, on the international level right now. And, and so that makes me wonder what are the chances of Canada even winning a medal at the Olympics next year with a lot of these other teams, I think, likely coming in as uh, bigger favorites? No doubt. Ted, have a great weekend. Looking forward to having you back on the program very soon. And uh, we'll talk playoffs, CFL, curling, everything else. But uh, always great having you pop in with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, pal. Love it. Great to see us. Great stuff. There's Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Now, we are going to get some tips on the Preakness coming up this weekend. Um, but do want to thank our wonderful beer sponsors, Little Brown Jug. Weather's going to be nice. You know, it goes with nice weather. The beautiful, new, delicious summer lager from Little Brown Jug. Or the other new beer they've got, the Hefeweizen. Taste them both. I know Jay's in here somewhere. He uh, just tweeted us a picture of a double rack, 48 of these coming from the Little Brown Jug's home delivery service. Um, also, if you're popping in one of the bottle stops connected to like, the Canadians beer stores, grab a case of 1919. You scan the QR code and enter to win one of those beautiful 1919 beer fridges. Um, we mentioned the summer lager and the Hefeweizen. Try those this weekend. And if you are in the gardening game, and you want to pop by Ron Paul tomorrow, 11 to 3, Little Brown Jug will be set up. You can order in advance if you want on the website at littlebrownjug.ca and select pick up at Ron Paul or pop by there, grab some beers, grab some gardening supplies, and spend the rest of your weekend outside but refreshed and hydrated with our friends at Little Brown Jug. Everything available, including on their delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. And... Shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend. Course is looking beautiful. Course could not be more packed right now with everybody golfing. And for Breezy Bend Country Club, breezybend.ca, we check out what's going on in the PGA Tour. And KH Lee, 14 under par in the clubhouse, is the leader at the Byron Nelson. Three shots back is Jordan Spieth, who was 70 today, a two under after a sizzling nine under 63 yesterday. The return of Jordan Spieth really has been one of the great stories of the golf season so far this year. Other guys within five shots, we've got Daniel Berger there, Sam Burns, Lee Westwood, Seamus Power, and Ted Potter Jr. Uh, again, if you're thinking about maybe getting out to Breezy next year and being a member, there is a waiting list right now. Find out more. Get on it at breezybend.ca. All right, it's been a pretty wild week of horse racing. Lots of horse racing in the news and a huge event coming up. It's the next leg of the Triple Crown. It is the Preakness Stakes. And to get ready for the Preakness, we welcome in Kurt Contois from Assiniboia Downs to get us ready. Kurt, what's going on? How are you? 
Hey, I'm doing awesome, Hustler. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to the race. And listen, just before we get into the Preakness, I mentioned it earlier on the program, um, live racing still a go at Assiniboia Downs. We did hear today the announcement that uh, you're going to have to wait one more week. Uh, you're going to be able to handle one more week before we get them out on the track? Oh, I'm going to be able to handle the one more week. Uh, some of the horsemen, uh, they're a little antsy, but like as any other sport, uh, we want to put on the best show we can. So we did reschedule for May the 24th, and we are 100% a go. And definitely I'm looking forward to calling more races here in 2021. Okay, cannot wait for that. We'll get to the Preakness in a second, but we will be talking about Medina Spirit. Medina Spirit has been in the news a lot. For those of us that don't follow horse racing as closely as yourself, what is this all about? How big of a controversy is it? Is Bob Baffert tarnished? Uh, and, and and how big of a story is that going to be going into this weekend as Medina Spirit's one of the favorite horses? Well, the funniest thing is the news uh, blowing it up like they always do. They're making it kind of like a Ben Johnson thing, but it's not even close. What Bob Baffert, the drug they say that he got caught with is a total legal, legal medication that many trainers do use. And what happens is you have to use it two weeks out, which he says he did. And unfortunately, the metabolism of the horse did not release at all. And when they do drug testing, it's in nanograms, which are so molecularly small, any little bits can taint it, make it worse than it is. And I think that's really what it comes down to. To me, it's not a tainted win. It's a very minor thing getting blown out of proportion. And again, like I say, it was a, a legal medication. Now, is Medina Spirit going to be sort of, to use a wrestling term, the heel uh, at this event on uh, the Preakness? Like, was it, will the, the betting populace, the horse racing community, are they all hoping that Medina Spirit is not in the winner's circle at the end of the Preakness? Not whatsoever. This is the one that uh, was the little guy with no chance that went through the sales ring. They didn't pay a lot of money for it. It wasn't one of those three to five million or even a million dollar purchase. It was under a hundred thousand. And this is the little horse that could. I don't think people are betting against it. What they're going to do is say it ran so tremendously well in the Derby. And that's pretty well what the horse racing community does. We don't go by the papers. We go by what we feel, how the horse ran, and pretty well we bet on that. So it's kind of like, you know, you can tell us all you want to, but we're going to bet what we feel. And I don't feel that Medina Spirit's win in the Derby is tainted at all. All right, well, let's get to it. Um, you know, the two favorite horses from the numbers I'm looking at right now are Medina Spirit and Concert Tour, both are two to one, and then we've got Midnight Bourbon, great name for a horse, yes, seven to one. definitely is. Seven to one, risk-taking and crowded trade at 10 to one, Rombauer 15, keep me in mind, we remember that one from the Derby, 25 to one, Unbridled Honor 30, and then a couple long shots, Francis, you know, 35 and Rarn 65 to one. Looking at that from the layman's, it sort of looks like, is this a two, three horse race right now from a handicapping standpoint? Well, it kind of seems like a three horse race, but the only bad thing about that is all three horses that are the favorites are the speed of the race. 
I said there was no speed in the Derby, so I was unsure of how it would set up. And it really set up to Medina Spirit's hands. There was no speed, went to the front, controlled, and ended up lasting to the wire. This time around's a little bit different. Concert Tour is the one that's predominantly the speed. It's the one that could go out there and try and steal it. The stablemate Medina Spirit is going to go right after it. The two are Bob Baffert horses. So you say, oh, well, he doesn't want them both going to the front. But they're two different owners, so he's got to appease both of them. And you got two different jockeys. The winning jockey gets $60,000 if he wins the race. So Johnny Velasquez is on one, and uh, he's on Medina Spirit. You have Mike Smith on Concert Tour. So if you think that either one of them is going to give the other one an edge, that's not going to happen. So I expect them to have some speed in here. And Medina or Midnight Bourbon, the other speed, he got shuffled in the derby, got banged around at the gate. So I expect him to go up too. So there's going to be three horses out of the 10 that are going to make the early pace fast. And I think it's going to set up for horses to come from just off of it. So uh, so where's the value? What, what's the, do, you, do you have any tickets already placed? I mean, if you're just going for a win bet, where are you going? And, you know, if we wanted to maybe get a bit more of a long shot, get some value on a number of a horse further down, um, what should we be looking at? Well, I'm looking at two closing long shots. I'm still going with my derby pick, my long shot play that I picked for second in the derby. Keep me in mind. He absolutely got hammered out of the gate and was 19th out of the 19 starters and rallied to be seventh, beat 12 horses. Now we're down to a more compact, livable field of 10 horses, and he likes to sit just off the leaders. So if they want to go bang hard, which I think they are going to, I think he's going to get a good run at them. And the other one is number four, Crowded Trade, only ran three times, has a win, a second, and a third, but also has that good running style to come from just off of it. And this is kind of an unproven one. It skipped the Derby, which, uh, as you can tell, there's only a few horses from the Derby that are back in the Preakness. Obviously, you have the winner going after the Triple Crown, but all the other heavyweights, they duck this race. They're waiting for the Belmont or going in other spots. So I think this is actually going to turn out to be a real exciting race, but the two and four closing, those are the ones that I like to get a big piece of it at a good price. And again, if you want to get ready for uh, live racing at Assiniboia Downs and the Preakness, you can go to hpibet.com, get an account, get going, bet on all the races from around the world, as well as now beginning on the 24th, day one of live racing here at Assiniboia Downs. Kurt Contois is with us from the Downs. Kurt, Mitch Jansen, shout out to Mitch who popped in on the super chat. We really do appreciate that, Mitch. Mitch is a wondering um, is wondering if you could tell a story about when unicorns raced at the Downs. Uh, have we had any unicorn racing at any point at the Downs or anywhere? Or is that a separate sport entirely uh, outside of horses, Kurt? I think that's a separate one that uh, Mitch with his Chiron operator and everybody else in his magical little land, because we don't get to see Mitch. You see me a lot. You see Marshall. You see Stretch. But Mitch is the man behind the scenes that makes the magic happen. I'm sure he's seen a lot of unicorn racing. But myself, I haven't called any. I've called mascots. I've called kids running down the field at Gold Eyes games. 
but uh, no unicorns for me. Well, maybe we'll have to. We're li- missing a few days of live racing, so maybe we'll have to add a unicorn race at some point. I'll, I'll send an email to Darren Dunn, see if we can pull that off. Um, Kurt, great to have you on the program. Now, again, we're going to be waiting an extra week before the track opens, but May 24th will be day number one. Um, and you, Marshall Stretch, get together with 6.45 before each live race day with a bit of a primer for everyone. Tell us about the ASD live racing show. Yeah, ASD Live. We come on at 6.45 every day for a half an hour. We go through the whole race card for you to give you a little prep. And then as the races come up, we come on once again at about 14 minutes before post time. And then we kind of see how the odds go, too. That helps us with some late selections that we want to change. Horses that they aren't going to bet that we all of a sudden think have a chance. But we can catch us. 6.45 for the half an hour, 15 minutes to post, and we got a new segment, 60 seconds with us at two minutes to post. If you catch us late, you're still going to get our selections right before they break from the gates. Beautiful. It's all available at asdowns.com. Kurt, enjoy the Preakness. Um, I guess enjoy the playoffs next week. At least we'll have some hockey to watch. And then uh, May 24th, back at it at the track at Assiniboia Downs. Ready for them to be off. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. There he is. Kurt Contois getting us ready for the Preakness. I am going to get Hustler. on that. Hey, thank you. I'm going to get on that. Keep me in mind. Canadian Connection, 25 to 1. Certainly. I'm out on Medina Spirit. Remus and I have talked about this many times. I mean, we've had all sorts of funny PED scandals in the world of sports. Thanks, Kurt. But I got to tell you, the 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 horse racing PED accusations um, a little bit funnier and we still haven't heard any statement from Medina Spirit either still waiting for him to explain himself for uh, what happened uh, at that event let's get Remo back in here after we uh, get to uh, man a flurry of guests today I really enjoyed talking to Andy off the bat I thought that was some great insight going into from uh, a betting perspective Reem and then of course Kurt on the track and uh, lots to talk about with our pal Ted Wyman Hit a little bit of CFL, a little curling, but mostly Winnipeg Jets. And that, I think, is dominating what most Winnipeg sports fans are thinking about today heading into the weekend. Yeah, some great talk in the chat today. Um, just talking about the future of the Jets. If, uh, you know, Andrew Kopp coming up in RFA, someone said, Matthew Perot, could this be his last regular season game as a Winnipeg Jet? He's a UFA. Paul Stasny as well. I know a lot of Jets fans want to see him back in a Jets uh, uniform next season. So, I mean, a couple questions that, you know, we're kind of focused on, hey, this is an exhibition game, but as far as long-term Winnipeg Jets and regular season games, this could be the end. And I do want to give a shout-out to all of our guests. Um, Hus, you know, two shows in a row now after uh, the the plagued show of Wednesday where we had a couple issues. All great connections, all great sound, and some great backgrounds. Andy had his green LEDs. Andy looks awesome. Ted had a nice setup today. Ted, uh, he's got the lamp in the background, the guitar, and uh, the aquarium. So if you're listening on the podcast, (laughs) come check us out on YouTube as well. Give us a like and a subscribe. And you can see, uh, you can not only hear us, but also uh, see us. So I thought it's been looking great today. Yeah, by the way, if you're with us right now in the chat, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. We always need the likes. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It's the red one there. Hit it, get your notifications on, and you'll know when we are live each and every day. And I can tell you, next week, you're going to want to be with us. It's going to be all Jets, Oilers, playoffs all the time. 
Mm-hmm. I think Mike McIntyre is going to join us coming up on Monday. Um, you know, we'll have the full gamut of our friends in the Winnipeg media that are following the Winnipeg Jets covering this series. Join us next week. And I, for one, cannot wait. But like we said earlier, Reem, I am sort of thankful that there's going to be a little bit of a break. We'll get this game in today, get a chance to enjoy the weekend and get a primer of some early playoff games. And then the main event for Canadian sports fans begins on Wednesday and Thursday with the beginning of the two North Division series. Yeah, we're going to have, you know, some playoffs starting tomorrow, 6.15 p.m. Uh, Bruins caps Sunday uh, you got a couple more Islanders, Penguins at 11, Wild Vegas at 2, Lightning Panthers at 6.30. And if that's not enough hockey for you on Sunday, Huss, 9.30 p.m., ending off the night with the regular season tilt. Uh, <laughs> totally a lot of meaning for that game. They need to have some kind of trophy for this uh, Flames Canucks season. Give them like, some kind of bonus for playing this out. I guess you're having the preseason early. So Canucks, uh, Flames. I guess if you're if you're in a pool, has a regular season pool where it's just like pick your guys, you know, whoever has the most points at the end. Those games do have some meaning. So oh, maybe absolutely are... they do. I'm sitting down five points with Quinn Hughes. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I need. I'm one of the suckers that's actually going to be like checking the box score of these Calgary Vancouver games over the course of the next uh, uh, next week to see what uh, to see what's happening. And in fact, it's funny, I'll be on, if anyone wants to check it out, I'll be doing my uh, show on Sports at 960 in Calgary this afternoon, beginning, I guess, for a yeah. 4 o'clock in Winnipeg time. And I already know the guys are saying, you know, what's going on in the peg? Is it playoff fever? And I don't know if we're quite at playoff fever yet. I think we'll start feeling that next week, Remus. But I, at least from the people that I've talked to, as down as people were about the way the Jets were ending the season... Um, that game on Tuesday, I think, gave at least some people some signs of life, some signs of optimism that, you know, we'll be in for a series and the Winnipeg Jets will certainly be better than they were the last time we saw them play against the Edmonton Oilers because that version of the Jets wasn't very good. Yeah, and there was a really uh, a really strong article in uh, TSN.ca by Travis Yost. I retweeted it from my account that uh, it was just showing the Jets matchups against Edmonton this year and... Uh, you know, trying to slow down Connor McDavid. Obviously, that's very tough, but it seems like uh, the Shifley line, and we all know, has had a lot of issues stopping McDavid and that uh, Appleton Lowry cop line. I think uh, that gives them their best chance. You're not going to stop Connor McDavid. I mean, look what he's done to nope. the North Division this year, but got to slow him down. But as I said in the chat, the most concerning thing for me about the Jets versus Edmonton is not, you know, trying to stop McDavid. Obviously, that's concerning, but I mean, what good is stopping if you can't score? Um, you know, the go- team's goals for in their six-game losing streak. I mean, Mike Smith looked like a Vesna Trophy winner, not just with his puck handling on, on dump pins, but um, they just haven't been able to get quality chances, and he stopped the chances that, they, that they've that they got. So uh, that's, I mean, we'll have to see if they can generate some goals, and it's going to be even tougher if you don't have Nikolai Ehlers, who's so good at zone entries. So those are yeah. some things we're going to be... It's going to be Ehlers' watch all next week. So now he's practicing. He's shooting the puck. He's wearing a non-contact jersey. Yeah, when is he in the contact jersey? I mean, yeah. that to me is... That is what will be the tell. Because, um, listen, I mean, they haven't said exactly what it is. It's an upper body injury. But everyone saw him get smoked. And yeah. everyone assumed that that was some sort of a shoulder injury. Now, whether that was a separated shoulder, whether it was a cracked collarbone, whether it was... We don't know. And they're not going to tell us. And that's fine. But the ability to skate is one thing, and the ability to shoot, 
that's positive. But I think the concern for Nikolai Ehlers is, is his body healed to the point where he can go and play through the rigors of, Mm -hmm. you know, playoff hockey and stay in the lineup. And I have no question that, you know, Ehlers is a tough character. He will certainly do everything he can to be in the lineup. Um, And as soon as he does get the green light that he's good to go, he'll be back there and will make a difference. Whether that's for game one, I guess we'll see. And uh, yes, you're right. Ehlers' watch begins Monday, 1 o'clock on Winnipeg oh, Sports Talk Daily. What do you mean? It's already started. I think yesterday. Oh, I the see update. Vid- videos on Twitter. Oh, Ehlers is on the ice. He's in a yellow jersey. And I saw uh, Mitch Clinton from the Jets saying, oh, here's Ehlers with the main group. Still yellow jersey. So hopefully, you know, he turn I'm sure. I don't know what their schedule is coming up next week. I think they'll wait to announce. I'm sure they'll have a day off Saturday. And maybe they'll get back at it Sunday. So uh, I'll be staying tuned. I know a lot of people are. Um, you know, follow us on uh, you know Twitter. I'm always retweeting all the guys, but Facebook as well. I've been you know just writing what the uh, daily reports are on there. So uh, links in the description of the video. Give us a follow. We could use a couple. Uh, Instagram as well. We're on Instagram too. So all, all of them. Uh, yeah, pre- appreciate everyone who's followed. Definitely, definitely. Thanks to everyone that's with us today live on YouTube. Hit that like button as uh, always. Now, as far as our cool bet lines, um, I I don't even know if we need to worry about this game tonight. Well, just for in case you're interested in it, Jets plus 125 at home, Leafs minus 147. Um, But the odds that I think are of the most interest to everyone are these odds for the Jets-Oilers series. Now, Jets plus 175 to win the series, Minus 208 for the Edmonton Oilers. But here are some interesting numbers. These are the point total props for Oilers and Jets in round number one. Connor McDavid, 10.5. Leon Dreisaitl, 9.5. Now you got it, you, you do get a nice number on the over. Over 10.5 is plus 120 for McDavid. Uh, over nine and a half is plus 150 for Dreisaitl. And I can tell you right now, if those either if those hit over. Um, the Oilers are probably playing in the second round of the playoffs. From a Jets perspective, Mark Shifley, and I really like this one, Shifley over four and a half points is plus 130. Talked a lot about Shifley um, and how much the Winnipeg Jets need him. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic, especially considering what we saw from Shifley lately, the challenge coming up, knowing how you know committed he is to, you know, to being able to go head-to-head against the likes of the Connor McDavid's, it didn't go well in the regular season. You can erase that quickly with the strong playoffs. So Shifley at 4.5 over is plus 130. Other jet numbers, Ehlers and Wheeler, 3.5 plus 125 on the over. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, 2.5 over plus 135. Any of those numbers stick out to you, Reem? Sorry, that Pierre-Luc Dubois one is interesting, us, um, just because, you know, we've all saw, I think he's definitely going to be a key for the Jets. They're trying him on the right wing tonight. We'll see how that goes. I don't know what it's going to be for the playoffs, but we're all, you know, he kind of took some time to get adjusted. He had the injury, and, you know, he was good, but he's on a bit of a slow stretch here in terms of uh, point production. But we're all banking, okay, you know, he did so well last year in the playoffs versus Austin Matthews and put up points for Columbus. Can he elevate his game? Can he find another level for the Winnipeg Jets? And if you think he can, then maybe you would want to look at that line. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and just quickly on the Leafs-Habs series point props, Matthews and Marner, 7.5, overs plus 120. 
Tavares and Nylander, four and a half, plus 100, plus 110 for those. And uh, Habs numbers are interesting. Tyler Toffoli's four points. Petrie, Nick Suzuki, four. I did get in on a prop on Josh Anderson over two goals for the series, though, Reem. I, like I, I, yeah. I like Josh Anderson a lot, and I think he is... I think he is the sort of player that is really built for the postseason. I think this is exactly what Mark Bergman was thinking about when they acquired him. And I think he'll have every opportunity to light the lamp. So uh, the over two, I'll give you a little tease. I'm going to give that one out on the lock shop later on with a few first um, first series prop bets along with Dustin Nielsen. Yeah, is over two. Yeah, that seems like a uh, seems like a solid one. I like Josh Anderson. He seems like a playoff kind of guy. You know, he's power forward. He plays power play one so yeah sure let's uh let's roll with that huh but yeah uh, two's two's a push on it it's not two and a half so i mean if you gets two it's a push you get your money back mm-hmm. if you get three you're winning it and uh, certainly i think if montreal is going to be competitive in this series they're going to need a lot out of josh anderson um a- any updates on uh, some new vaccine offers reem um do we got any more lotteries or uh have given away any uh, anything else today it's, this is my favorite recurring story now is new things coming over the wire of how people are being bribed to get their vaccine free beers lotteries baseball tickets food uh hey whatever whatever works i mean let's just get this thing going we, we have less of a challenge trying to get people to do it here i believe I haven't seen any deals here. Otherwise, and if there's like some deal that's being offered, I can show my uh, NFT that says I got I got a shot. Then I'm definitely going to take advantage. But uh, no, I just the the vaccine lottery and was it Ohio that we mentioned yesterday was up there. But I haven't seen I haven't seen anything else. I guess you can get a free ticket at a couple of major league ballparks if you get yeah, vaccinated there. Mets so you and go Yankees. in there, get a shot, and then you go in watch the yeah, ballpark. Discounted, which is, uh, which is good. Yeah, discounted Cleveland baseball tickets as well <laughs> if you uh, if you show your your proof. So uh, we'll see. I did see um you know in the news, Lollapalooza is gonna go in you know late July, early August in Chicago. So we're kind of getting back to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. You know, one thing we didn't touch on this week, Hus, I wanted to bring up. A lot of people mad. You know, we like to talk about mad online. A lot of people get worked up about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, yes, and, yes. And <laughs> um, we didn't mention this. This year's inductees were Foo Fighters, Jay-Z, Tina Turner, Carol King, and the Go-Go's. Sorry, also Todd Rundgren. And uh, there's some other L. Cool J, Randy Rhodes, and Billy Preston will be getting a Musical Excellence Award. A lot of people upset online. Iron Maiden not getting in. Rage Against the Machine not getting in. <laughs> um, I love I the fact... The Iron Maiden guys must be so mad that Jay-Z and LL Cool J are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame over Heavy Metal King's Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden should definitely be in, but I'm not going to sit here and be mad online about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't think, I think the the term rock and roll, it should really be, it's turned into the pop music Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I think, think that's so. fair. That's fair. So I'm not... I just don't think it's worth the energy getting mad online about it, but I do agree. And some, some Canadian fans saying, guess who should be in as well. I mean, there's a lot of people who should be in. I don't know, they're doing like five a year, but Foo Fighters on their first first shot. So Dave Grohl now, uh, I think one of few Foo guys. Foo Fighters, absolutely. Like that. If you yeah. want a band that's first ballot Hall of Fame material, it's Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl. I have no doubt about that. I, I was pumped to hear that. I don't really, I could care less about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, to be honest. 
but I love the Foo Fighters. So I was very happy they got in. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. The legendary band. So Dave Grohl now in uh, two first ballot Hall of Fame bands: uh, Nirvana and Foo Fighters. Uh, what a what a career! So two-time uh, Hall of Famer. Kind of like there's a few guys in the WWE Hall say. of Fame twice. You know, like they were in DX like, and got in themselves. Yeah, I think NWO Kevin, guys. Yeah, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, <laughs> solo and as a as a group. <laughs> Uh, what's going on? What's up for the weekend there, Reem? I know we got this Jet game tonight. You got any yeah. playoff drafts or anything going on? You're going to negotiate through that. I'm doing one tonight, 10 p.m. Oh, on Zoom with the boys after after the hockey game. You are doing one? Um, I got invited to one. Uh, I'm t- I, 10 p.m. I could do a 10 p.m. draft on Zoom. That would be sweet. But no, I'm not going in. I actually hate playoff drafts. Um, I think, and I think a lot of it is dictated by where you pick. But I think you're just going in. To give you a team to watch, so you have you know something something to watch when your when your favorite team gets knocked out. Although I got to say, I do have a I should tweet it. I did make a bracket challenge NHL.com for Winnipeg Sports oh, yeah. Talk. If anyone wants to do to a bracket, let me put it in in chat here, and I'll tweet it out after the show. Um, let me I'll bring it up. Yeah, I'll uh, and I'll uh, cook up something for our winner, like we did for the yeah. uh, March Madness. Maybe we'll bracket give him well. like. We have a Winnipeg Sports Talk mug or something. Definitely just, have that. And I know lots of people talking about merch in the chat today. Yeah. Just got a uh, just got a text from the boys at Royal. We're uh, we're gonna work on cooking up some more stuff for you, but hopefully we'll have some hats for you soon, and then uh, okay. continue rolling stuff forward. But yeah, click on the link if you're with us right now. Go to the bracket challenge. If not, if you're listening to the podcast later, just go to our Twitter page at Sports Talk WPG. We'll have the link there. Free. Go in. Pick your series, and uh, we'll have a nice prize or two for our winners at the end of the playoffs. Well, I'm going to tell you, another fantastic week here on the program. Um, you know, we can't thank everyone enough for joining us each and every day here, both live on YouTube and continuing to blow up our podcast download numbers. Uh, if you are with us right now, do us a favor, hit that like button. If you haven't subscribed already, please do that. And as always, um, Spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're doing this one by one, but we continue to grow, and we really appreciate the support, especially from those of you that have been kind of hanging with us every day since we started this. Uh, what, geez, Remo, this is now show 49? Show yeah, 50 coming 49. up on Monday. A big milestone for us, I guess. And then twice that, we'll get to show number 100. We can start doing gaudy, grandiose celebrations of mm-hmm. ourselves when we get to those numbers. Uh, but Monday, it won't be about show 50. It's going to be about the countdown to Wednesday night, Jets-Oilers game one in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, of course, we'll be counting down. And maybe we'll have some crazy overtimes. I'm really hoping to have like a six-overtime game where I can stay up late and be really tired the next show and talk about how I made it through. Um, oh, what's going on? Gregory, just, yeah, Gregory's all over UFC 162. Two, 262. Oh, sorry, yes, exactly, 262. Uh, the MMA is Who's, always a who, popular a popular thing. I, I think maybe more so for people to bet on. Just pulling it up right now, trying to figure out. Yeah, oh yeah, Tony Ferguson. I don't know. Yeah, like I I used to follow UFC very closely around like 2006, and now it's 2021, and there's an event every week. So I'll tune into the big fights, but like 
I'm not going down the roster like I used to know. I used to know all the guys and um, well, UFC. Because back then they did a show every month or every six yeah. weeks. Now could, there's a UFC every week. and you know. But, I mean, hey, credit to them. They've grown the sport huge. But you really do have to be into it to know everyone. Gregory, give us a couple oh. picks in the chat here for your – uh, Shout out to Mitch. He says he's 49 for 49 uh, coming in. Thank you, Mitch. That's yes, awesome. Mitch. They, they don't call him the godfather for nothing. Mitch was right there on day number one. And I know so many of you have been as well it has just been uh, it has been phenomenal um you know again we can't do this without all of you and we certainly can't do this without our sponsors royal sports nick and nicky dq little brown jug brewing company assiniboia downs boston pizza not autocorp our golf sponsor breezy bend country club coolbet.com and of course aikens lake if you're looking for a great holiday somewhere in the province this year find out more on a world-class fishing experience at aikens lake wilderness lodge um, that is just about going to do it for us because I got to get ready to get on in Calgary coming up at 4 p.m. and then get ready for this game tonight. Remo, do you have any call on this game tonight other than just let the call be? Everyone makes it out healthy. For the Jets game, I I looked at the odds. You know, Marner's not playing. The Jets won last time. Matthews wasn't playing. I was going to take the Jets just because they're the underdog and, and they're at home. That seemed to be value, but... Um, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I'm not doing a, I usually make a DraftKings pool for uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk League, but I didn't make, make one. There's one game and I don't know. Can you do a showdown? I guess to make it, if you really like wanted reason to watch, do a, a DraftKings showdown, but like. I don't know. I, I pay, I'm taking the Jets just because they're home and underdogs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, it's like betting on preseason hockey. We say probably don't do it. Leighton Janice, love it, boys. Have a great weekend from Van City. Right back at you, Leighton. Great to have you with us out on the West Coast. And, oh, you know what? I think we've got a new nickname for Gregory. Because we all know that Greg is the OG. He's caller number one. He is a lot of things. But Jeff Kabilis has dropped down the sheriff. And in a lot of ways, Gregory really is sort of the sheriff of the chat of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, Remus. We may need to have to get him a badge and fully deputize Gregory in the chat. Gregory's always DMing me on Twitter uh, stories, um, making sure that I don't miss anything. So I do appreciate that. I love it. Gregory, and he is dropping some UFC picks in. He says Tony Ferguson will win the the co-main. And he had somebody, he says Chandler will win the, uh, what, a lightweight title? So... Uh, there's a couple of UFC picks from Gregory. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, Ooh, I like it. Tony Ferguson, a plus 126. I, I, you know what, Gregory? I'm taking your advice on that. Oh, we're going to hold him this to is, that. This, this, is on, this is on you, Greg, if Tony Ferguson doesn't show up. Um, anyways, folks, uh, if you want more of me, check out TS, uh, Sportsnet 960. <laughs> on TSN 960. It's great. I can screw that up here. I better not do that later on today. Uh, but 4 to 7, Winnipeg time. You can listen on the app. We'll go right up until game time. And then, uh, But most importantly, be safe. Have a great weekend. Get outside. Enjoy this gorgeous weather. Guys at Royal Sports, have your hookup if you need some equipment or um, clothing, shoes, whatnot to uh, really dominate it. Um, but other than that, Reem, I'm looking forward to a couple days away, and then I'm already excited about Monday's show as we get ready to uh, dive headfirst into the playoffs. We'll already have games and series to talk about, and we'll just have two more sleeps until the Jets and Oilers get going on Wednesday. Yeah, I can't wait. This has been such a fun week. We've had some of our uh, some of our best shows the last couple days. No glitches today and uh everything's Perfect. worked out some great guests with great uh camera setups 
So uh, oh, the was- guys were awesome. And you know what, dude? You know, I said that you know, you know, kind of well, half joking, but hopefully not joking. That the Stasny Silver Stick presentation was the TSN turning point of the season. Mm-hmm. I think, from a tech perspective, for Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, your press conference on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. after the Perfetti interview might have been the, as it were, TSN turning point to m- money shows with zero technical difficulties. We're back to back yeah. now after after you owned it. Back to back. I owned it. I said we'd come back better, and uh, we did. That's how you follow up a press conference like that. So uh, <laughs> I, I see everyone in chat. I can't respond to everyone that quickly while we're doing the show, but I do appreciate everyone. There's a couple people who've said, you know, I think uh, that they've come out to every, everyone uh, or almost every, so that is uh, incredible. Uh, the Leslie Mitchick's awesome. there. Mitch, yeah. hey, you know what? We, uh, we, oh, we see a lot of the same day. names. We, no doubt. But uh, Leslie, Jeff, Jets280, The Bullet, James Robinson, Al Broderick, uh, Roger Quenville, Tracy Ukraniak, and, of course, the sheriff himself, Gregory Liverpool, all here with us every day. We appreciate it so much. And to everyone listening on the podcast, thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks again to the sponsors. Enjoy this game tonight. Next week, it gets real. Jets Oilers begins on Wednesday, and we'll be all over it on Monday's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great one, and we'll see you Monday. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 